0: Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading verses 8 and 9. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now, we have been looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and last time we saw that the Old Testament uh, language doesn't use the word supper, but instead God speaks of a sacrifice. And and yet, um, when we look at the language of Ezekiel chapter 39, and we see um, concerning Gog and Magog, how the fowls are are dining upon them, which matches the language of Revelation 19. We uh, quickly are able to understand that it is synonymous. It is describing the same day of Jehovah's wrath, judgment day that we're reading about in this chapter of Revelation. And also we saw in Zephaniah chapter one, a chapter in which the Lord is describing the wrath of God being poured out in the day of judgment, that it speaks of bidding guests to a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is pointing to a sacrifice that is offered on judgment day. And there is also an inspection of the guest's clothing, just as in the parable of Matthew 22 with the king who comes in to inspect the guests that have been bidden to the wedding. And there, there's, um, no question that the marriage supper of the lamb is also spoken of as a sacrifice in those Old Testament passages. And so we wonder because that word sacrifice is the typical word God uses to speak of sacrifice in the Old Testament. Why does God use this word uh, to refer to Judgment Day? And let's read once again in Isaiah 34 that also uh, is focused in on the, the final judgment of mankind. And God says in Isaiah 34, beginning in verse 4, And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of Jehovah is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For Jehovah hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Again, here God is uh, describing the sacrifice that takes place at the time of the final judgment of mankind. And why is that? Why? Is God picturing Judgment Day as a sacrifice? And the word sacrifice is also the same word as offering. It's as though it's an offering unto God. Well, the, the reason is because a sacrifice, which is an offering, an offering for sin, is given to appease the angry God. The burning of the wicked in judgment, as God is destroying them, now it's, it's a spiritual judgment upon the unsaved people of the earth, but soon it will be literal fire that completely burns them up and, and annihilates them. The burning of the wicked appeases God's wrath. And since the unsaved have no one, to bear their sins. They they did not have the intercessor. They did not have the Lord Jesus Christ taking their sin upon himself and then Christ offering up himself as the sacrifice. Remember, he's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and and that means he was the sacrifice the sacrificial lamb that the the lamb that is put to death in order to picture Christ paying for the sins of his people that that's why god gave the the laws concerning sacrifice to israel when they would slay animals and and israel must have slayed innumerable animals just Countless animals we see sometimes at certain, uh, historic events like the dedication of the, the temple that Solomon built that, that thousands and thousands of animals were slain in that one occasion and, and yet all through Israel's history and they, uh, they had a very long history. They were sacrificing animals killing um, all sorts of animals according to God's law concerning sacrifices. Now, God did say about that. He said in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice an offering and burnt offerings, an offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And that one offering in which Christ Made payment for sins was at the point of the world's foundation. He was the sacrifice that, that was uh, a worthy sacrifice because he died for the sins of his people and, and made payment to God, uh, satisfying the law of God perfectly and, and thereby Uh, freeing all those that he died for, and and never again would there be the need of another sacrifice. It, It was only a matter, of course, of history working itself out, and the gospel going forth, so that God, through the gospel, would, as it were, apply the shed blood of Christ, like the hyssop dipped into the basin of blood, to, and apply it to the doorpost, so the word of God was applied to the hearts of the elect, those predestinated to receive it, and and in every generation, uh, over the course of history, God applied the blood of the already shed Lamb to each soul that He had determined to save, and and that was the acceptable sacrifice, but. For Israel, who offered up animal sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats or whatever kind of animal, never took away sins, not, not even one sin. No matter how many animals they offered, no matter how uh, well they offered them in obedience to God's commandments at certain feasts and, and certain times of the year, It it didn't matter at all. It's impossible for the blood of animals to take away sin. So all the Israelites that thought that through animal sacrifice, they were becoming righteous before God. Well, no, it never was the case. And there's only one way to have your sins washed away. And, And there's only one acceptable sacrifice and that is the sacrifice and offering of the body of Christ for those that he died for, and, and God um, poured out his wrath upon Jesus, and, and Christ died for all the elect, and thereby payment was made. But now, when we come to the Day of Judgment, and it's time for God to pour out his wrath on the wicked for their sin. Sacrifice always is related to sin. Why did Jesus die as the Lamb of God? Why, why did he offer up himself for sin, the sins of his people? Why were the animals slain and, and killed by the thousands year after year as a means of bringing Remembrance to sin. God was basically illustrating, look, you're a sinner, you need the blood of an innocent to be shed for you, and with each animal sacrifice, it was a vivid illustration of the work of the Messiah, the work of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the atoning work that had to be performed for those that would become saved if anyone would have their sins forgiven. And yet many misunderstood the commandments of God to offer sacrifices, just like many in the churches today misunderstand the commandments of God concerning to believe. And in their natural, um, state, in their carnal mind, they, they do not understand that these laws are given to point us to Christ. And instead of looking to Christ to be the sacrifice that takes away sin, they look to the sacrifice itself. And the Jews trusted in the methodology. It had to be the proper offering at the proper time. And, and they trusted in the high priest making the atonement once a year. As though these things were somehow bringing about their righteousness, and they never did. They they fell into the trap, into the same snare uh, that the people in the churches do when they they see commandments of God and they latch onto them and they say, "Now if I do this, I'll be righteous. Now if I do this, I'll be saved." And it never was the case. And so they um, had sin still upon them. They were never removed from them. And and when we get to Judgment Day, everyone that still has sin upon them now must suffer the wrath of God for sin. And And just as Christ suffered the wrath of God for sin and became a sacrifice for sin, and and animals were killed in order to bring to remembrance sin. Likewise, now the wicked, the unsaved people, the inhabitants of the earth are dying for their sin. And therefore, they themselves are their own sacrifice. They have sin. Their sin is upon them. God is furious with them because of their sin. The, the wrath of God must be satisfied. The law's demands must be met. There must be an offering unto God for each individual sins. And so, uh, uh, without a sin-bearer, each individual becomes their own sin-bearer. Each person that is unsaved is now being offered themselves for their own sin. It is the day of Jehovah's sacrifice, and he is slaying as it said uh, here in Isaiah 34. notice this language again: for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. behold it shall come down upon Idumea or upon. Uh, Edom who is Esau and upon the people of my curse to judgment the sword of Jehovah is filled with blood it is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats that's language of sacrifice God is putting to death the sacrificial animals but Uh, Notice he goes on to say, uh, "...with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams, for Jehovah hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea." It's as though the world, the, the whole earth, which is now under the wrath of God, as, of course, Judgment Day is all over the world, there's no part of the world where it's not judgment day, it's in every nation, it's in every um, city, every every town, every village, everywhere in the world it's judgment day, and God's sword is going forth and the sword points to the word of the Bible, and slaying slaying all that he sees who bear sin. That, that have their sins upon them. He is, uh, making a great sacrifice of the wicked that are being offered up for their own sin. Oh my, what a, a slaughterhouse it must have been at the dedication of Solomon's temple when scores of thousands of animals were being slain. Well now God is, is slaying billions of people. Billions of, of sinners that, that bear their sin are being slain by the word of God. No wonder he uses this language of his sword being bathed in heaven and, and, and filled with blood and so forth. It, it really is a, a horrible, Image that the Bible is drawing for us concerning the sacrifice of the unsaved people of the earth at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and this is currently taking place. Okay, let's go back to Revelation 19 and it says in verse eight and to her, and this would be the bride, the elect body, all those that Christ has saved, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And, uh, we've looked at this many times, um, as, as we were looking at Revelation 15, for example, and we saw the uh the clothing, the garments of the angels there, and we recognize it was it was priestly attire, and priests were clothed with fine linen and and God's people are prophets, priests, and kings. Well, here God is um especially emphasizing the purity the the cleanliness the holiness of the bride she she's arrayed in fine linen clean and white just as uh, marriage is when when the bride is walking down the aisle in her beautiful white dress of course this would be more traditional as the world is trying to do away uh, uh, well maybe that's not fair we uh, but it's 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 certainly possible deep down. This is the reason why wedding dresses are, are not always clean and, and fine white linen as they've traditionally been. But, but in that marriage relationship, when the bride all dressed in white comes walking down the aisle, it, it is really an illustration of purity of of holiness in a way. It's, it's typifying the marriage of Christ and his bride. And I know we, we look at ourselves and we don't see uh, holy people, but we have to remember that all the sins of all the elect were paid for by the sacrifice of Christ. He is the one who purged them, washing them away through the baptism of going himself through the fire of the wrath of God and and thereby cleansing his bride from all iniquity and all the sins of each one of them. And, and each person uh, has just an incredible amount of sin, as probably all of us could testify to, We have just enormous amounts of sin. But Christ's sacrifice was sufficient to pay the penalty for the whole mountain of sin. And it's all gone from him because he paid for it. And it's all gone from us because he took it and paid for it. And and so we are in God's sight. This is an accurate picture. We are clean. We are washed. We are wearing fine linen, clean and white. There is total purity. There's not a single sin anywhere in the bride, which consists of perhaps as many as 200 million that God has saved, the whole company of the elect, everyone whose name, is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You, you can search and you will not find a single sin on any one of them. There is therefore now no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. They are washed by the Word, washed by the, the work of Christ, the faith of Christ has completely purified them. And, and so what a glorious what a beautiful bride she makes and, and what, um, a perfect couple, uh, this is. Here stands the great savior, the, the great God and, and Lord, the king of kings, the one who himself uh, has never sinned and is pure righteousness and pure holiness. Uh, he, he is absolute perfection, and now he has purchased the bride and and made her like himself so that there can be a good union and a a good coming together uh, where there is no unequal yoking of any kind. Both are in a condition of holiness, and so it is... The perfect wedding that is going to take place as God now has brought the bride. He has saved them all and the bride has participated in making herself ready. And now we come to the marriage supper of the lamb. And, and again, that's where we're presently at the, the time of the offering of the sacrifice of all the unsafe people of the earth. Uh, this is according to God's wisdom. This is how God has worked it out. This is what he calls the marriage feast or the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone.